Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yak Shamash, everybody. Welcome to the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Of course, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Make sure you guys... Check out Bucky's fifth quarter for all your Wisconsin news, notes, discussion. And uh, we have a big night tonight coming up, obviously, in about, I'd say, one hour, 23 minutes night of the new Red Threads. It is, we are officially three hours and 23 minutes away from the new deal between the Wisconsin Athletic Program and under Armour for their deal. I think it was 10 years, $96 million. is a figure that's been thrown around. Uh, and uh, starting July 1st at the stroke of midnight, that's where you can get your new Wisconsin Badgers apparel. So uh, starting about two hours, let's say about an hour and a half, uh, 20 minutes, you'll see the, the Wisconsin Badgers have a cool thing. If you guys are listening, please feel, uh, head out down to uh, Camp Randall Stadium, check out the art, you know, go through the uh, – Camp Randall Arch, Arch, and then uh, check out, talk to some Wisconsin coaches, Paul Christ, uh, Greg Gard, uh, Tony Granado, and then I believe uh, Barry Alvarez, Director of Athletics at Wisconsin, will be there. So star-studded event, and then at midnight, fans have the ability to go inside Bucky's locker room as well to check out the gear, the new gear that's been going on. Uh, should be highly touted. Uh, they announced a bunch of other things as well. We can get down to that maybe a little bit later. But uh, we are joined here. I'm Jay Kokorowski. We got the Polish rifle, Scott Wisniewski, here. And uh, happy Thursday, sir. Let's start off in, about a week ago exactly. Milwaukee Bucks uh, select Thon Maker. And a somewhat surprising pick. I know kind of a hot-button topic where, where it comes to whether or not it was a good pick. And let me ask you first off, Scotty, your thoughts on the pick selection itself. And second question for that, for a follow-up, what does that, what does the pick mean to the team and to the franchise and where they're at? Well, I'm a little torn on, on the whole thing. I mean, first of all, um, I did want the Bucks to address point guard, um, either in the draft or in free agency. Um, I, I'm kind of disappointed that even in the second round, they had a chance to do that and they passed on it. And I'll get to that in a second, but um, let, let's talk about this pick. And, and, you know, on the surface, people say, well, it, it's not a, a good pick because a lot of experts didn't have him uh, make her on their radar screen. Let's be honest. They, you know, some people were thinking the Bucks should have went with Allerson. I thought that maybe they, they could have went point guard there. Um, but when you think about it, or if they're going to go with a shooting guard, maybe a guy like Beasley or something like that. But when you think about what this pick is, we thought the same thing when Giannis got drafted. We thought, well, this is kind of a risk pick. Here's a guy who, you know, we, we don't know much about. The argument people are making is they're like, well, he played against pros in Greece. Okay. But you look at Maker, he's a little skinny. He needs to put on some weight. There's no doubt about it. But this guy is just – his athleticism and his length is just amazing. And this is what the Bucks tend to gravitate to. This is who they draft. They like these long players that have 
athletic ability and can jump out of the gym and maybe block some shots he can shoot. I don't like some of the comparisons. Again, the people who don't like the pick. Now, I don't love the pick, but I don't hate the pick. So I'm kind of coming from a, a, a point of neutrality where I don't really have a horse in the game when it comes to the Don Maker. But a lot of people are comparing him to guys like Manute Bull. Manute Bull couldn't jump like this kid, couldn't shoot like this kid. You know, and he was much taller. He was seven four, seven five, freakishly tall. But – you know, it's it's not a bad pick. It still leaves a hole at point guard, though. I don't know that Giannis is your best choice at point guard, even though I know he can play it, but he's suited to do other things. And Michael Carter-Williams is atrocious. Right, to me, he's just absolutely horrible. So what I was hoping the Bucks would have done is uh, when it got time for their second pick, where they picked Malcolm Brogdon uh, from Virginia, who, who seems like a good player, but the need was at point guard. And there were some guys sitting there that could have helped this team, and they, they decided to, 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 to not take them. You know, so uh, the kid from, uh, for example, the kid from Notre Dame, Demetrius Jackson, was still there. He ended up going to the Celtics later on. And, you know, there were still some other players they could have went with. Some people were even talking about Diamond Stone, which would have been interesting. But, you know, we could someday, when we have not such an abbreviated show and we're back to our normal schedule, we can talk about how that kid dropped like a rock. You know, from midseason – at Maryland his first year when he was being touted as a lottery pick to how he finished poorly at Maryland his first year. I think left a year too early, should have stayed one more year, and just saw his draft stock plummet down at the second round, pick 40. But he was there for the Bucks too when they were picking. Um, so I like Brogdon, and I, I know he can play defense. I just think they need a point guard, and I don't know if they're going to be able to address it in free agency. Yeah, and I mean it's it's one thing where obviously I've been a little bit out of the loop on things, but uh, and I even asked on social media about the pick where you have uh, you know like what some people thought that Maker was going to go into the you know go into the, the the second round and people wanted the Bucks to select them there, but uh, you have like you mentioned that they have some extreme length now. I forgot which article it was. Uh, for, for forgive me for that, but someone had mentioned that. This might be like the the real life version of the Monstars with uh, from Space Jam with all the length that they have now on on that team and and how this, you know you have uh, guys that are legitly you know seven foot wingspans and then I think the only one that doesn't maybe is Chris Middleton but his is six eleven so you have like this freakishly athletic team but you mentioned it where are the point guards where are the uh, just where exactly like will Giannis be that point you know, is he going to be that point forward? Is he, you know, essentially now? And you've seen the flesh that he can do, but yeah, like you mentioned, is there who 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 else is there? So, um, I found that interesting. Uh, let me ask you too. This kind of came up today. There was a uh, obviously uh, discussions there. There a uh, I believe it's from Adrian Wojnarowski from uh, the Vertical uh, mentioning that John Hammond uh, was being extended. Uh, according to the sources, uh, that, that they're going to extend Hammond's contract, uh, I believe, one more year to help the transition to the uh, new, you know, the assistant GM that they just put in there, uh, which is, uh, you know, Justin Zanuck, uh, who came from the Utah Jazz. So what are your thoughts on, on that transition now where you have John Hammond, who's, you know, led the team as the GM for, for years now? Uh, where do you think, you know, what do you think of that deal when it comes to, 
them extending out one more year, but then also this transition to this this GM and waiting essentially. Well, I I think a lot of people, depending who you talk to, think this GM and waiting is just there to be um, a yes man for Jason Kidd. And again, I'm not I'm not saying that that's what it is. I'm just telling you that people who I know that cover the team feel that Jason Kidd's going to be running most of the show. Um, that said, I like. I like what Hammonds has done, John Hammond has done to rebuild this team. Um, again, they still need a few pieces, but I'm okay with the with the extension. And again, I think he's done the best with what he could in a market that's hard to attract players. And he went out and they got a big name free agent, Greg Monroe, but now apparently the Bucks are unhappy with him because surprise, surprise, he can't play defense. You knew that when you got him, but whatever. I, I still to this. You know, we can debate it till the cows come home, but I think for people to be mad at Greg Monroe and blame him for them not making a playoffs, Greg Monroe is who we thought he was, an offensive center who doesn't play defense. The disappointment is with Michael Carter-Williams and the Bucks' downfall, even though they made the playoffs with Carter-Williams, if they look at what look at what their regular season record was after the trade. They played eight games under five hundred, and then last year they were terrible. It's point guard. It's point guard, point guard, point guard. So anyway, to answer your question, I like that Hammonds is extended. I'm glad he's going to stick around and help with the transition. Now, real quick, I'm going to throw some names at you. And uh, as far as point guard, the best one out there, Mike Conley, probably not going to see the light of day with the Bucks. He'll probably end up staying with Memphis, although he's unrestricted. Rajon Rondo's a head case. Um, Darren Williams, eh, keep him. Jeremy Lin, maybe as a backup. Ty Lawson. Matthew Delladova, restricted free agent. That's the name that keeps coming up a lot. A pesky guy, good defender. Other than that, just a bunch of, you know, guys on the downside of their career. Randy Foy, DJ Augustine. I mean, is there anybody there? I mean, obviously Conley's the get the guy to get, but he's not gonna be there. So is Delladova your best choice? Do you go somewhere else? Again, the 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 point forward thing it's a great novelty it's great to be able to do for certain stretches of a game but for 82 games i don't think that's the best use of of yana right i mean i i just don't know about della Dova. i mean there have been talks about them offering eight like how many millions of dollars per year and i just don't know if i mean and i've also heard gosh i yeah i mean they've been rumors have been floating around but just you know, oh, Harrison Barnes being offered like twenty to twenty-two million or something like that for uh, by the six years that they're like I think it was Mark Stein well, but, might have reported but remember, that. Remember this because the salary cap went up and teams have to spend I think it's eighty-five or ninety percent of that cap or they'll they'll get fined or penalized because that cap went up so exponentially. You're gonna see a lot of stupid money, and every team's gonna have to overpay guys to fill that, that, that gap. Oh, guys, uh, looks like we, it looks like Scotty dropped for a second. Uh, we'll keep going with that. Um, apologies to that. You guys are listening to the Kilbasa King sports extravaganza brought to you by Bucky's fifth quarter. And, uh, there he is right there. Uh, thanks for tuning in. And yes, don't know what happened there, Scotty. Oh, like you dropped for a second. Technology. Technology, gotta love it. Anyway, I don't know where I got cut off, but what I'm saying is because the cap has gone up so much in one year, um, 
teams have to spend stupid money. You know, I think whoever signs Joakim Noah is going to overpay for him. You're going to see marginal guys. The market, this is the best time this year and next year, the best time to be a free agent in the NBA. So you're going to see guys make money that they probably don't deserve, including Harrison Barnes. Um, but it's going to happen, and people have to look at it and understand it and not just go, boy, all these teams all of a sudden got stupid. No, they have to spend money or they'll get fined by the league. It's in the collective bargaining agreement. They have to meet a certain threshold of that salary cap. So, yeah, it's going to, it's going to be a real crazy, a really weird free agent season. Absolutely. With that, uh, yeah, real quick before we get into like some Brewers talk, where do you, guys, where do you think a player like uh, Kevin Durant winds up in the end? Now that's the big, that's the million dollar question. You could see him with the Knicks and, and what a, what a trio that would be with Carmelo and with Derrick Rose. You could see him with the Clippers. I know San Antonio's making some waves. Miami, Pat Riley always seems to attract people. People don't, but they, what people don't realize is he could very easily wind up back in Oklahoma city, but he is the coveted. What I'll make a prediction. I really don't know where he's going to sign. And I don't have a feeling one way or the other. I might have a different answer over the weekend. And I mean, next time we talk, he'll either be signed or he'll still be. But there won't be a ESPN Jim Gray hosted show where he makes his decision. That I'll guarantee you. Um, I think that uh, wherever he goes, it'll be a little bit more low key than that whole uh, uh, colossal uh, failure a few years back. Now, you know, you also have coming up, I, you know, we'll, we'll come back to the Bucks, and obviously we'll come back next week and talk a little bit more and break down exactly uh, what what they do and what other teams do in the league. But, you know, really just you, you take a look. Oh, even before that, let's, 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 let's take a talk about the, the two Milwaukee, the two Milwaukee-based uh, natives where uh, in terms of NBA draft, uh, Henry Allenson going to the New York Knicks. You got Diamond Stone going in the second round. Were you surprised by Diamond Stone dropping that far? And what does that spell for Allenson in New York with uh, some intriguing players with uh, reportedly, uh, you know, Joaquin Noah uh, and then also Derek Rose now headed to New York. Uh, seems like he's got quite yeah. the cast there uh, near Broadway. Well, like I said earlier with Stone, um, he was there for the Bucks to take in the second round. Um, just, but, but a real, a huge decline for a kid who, like I said, in January he was being talked about as a lottery pick, and then the second half of the year at Maryland was not good at all. And there's, there's talk about his work ethic and some other things. And next thing you know, he's a second rounder, and um, he really should have, he should have gone the route of Nigel Hayes. I mean, he should have, when he started before he hired an agent and he started hearing where he was likely to go, he probably should have went back to Maryland because I don't think he would have dropped any further than he did. Uh, barring obviously a catastrophic, catastrophic injury. I think he could have only helped himself by going back. Yeah. I think that's a feeling too. Um, you know, I think, uh, Ellenson's in a, a good area for him. Uh, but, uh, you know, Diamond's own still immensely talented. should be interesting to see uh, how he how everything ends up for him. Uh, going, like, now with the Brewers, obviously not a good matchup uh, today uh, against the, the Dodgers and um, getting shellacked a little bit in the uh, the, the rubber match. Uh, they go 3-3. Three and three. 
in the homestand as they now head to St. Louis. What, uh, in your opinion, Scotty, I mean, you know, Zach Davis didn't necessarily have his good account, uh, didn't necessarily have his best stuff today. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're what, yeah. now eight games under 500, still within, what, five yeah. and a half to six games, six and a half games of the wild, the second wild card spot. Uh, since the last time we spoke with, you know, Adam Reagan and Kurt Hogue, uh, where has it, where have you seen this team go? Is it still just kind of par for the course? And in terms of just the expectations of a year where they're kind of rebuilding, I mean, you don't want to say rebuilding, you want to say yeah. retooling. Uh, where have they stood since the last time we spoke? Well, here's the thing. Uh, first of all, that was a great roundtable we had last time we were on, although I don't necessarily agree with them. I think this team is, was closer to contenders than they gave themselves credit for, and they could have been right in this race. Here's a couple things that happened. That last road trip, they lost four games they should have won. I know there should have, could have, would have. When people tell me, don't worry about the ones that wins and losses, you know, just understand there's a plan and, and there's a program in place. I'm fine with that. But when the losses come because of bad fundamentals, that still bothers me. Because gone are the Carlos Gomez's of the world, and we're still playing bad fundamentals on the base path, in the field, they're in the upper upper third of, of errors committed. Those are still things that bother me. Now, they've got they've done a better job drawing walks. They're on base players better. That philosophy is changing, and I like that. They're not the free swingers under that they were under Doug Melvin. Okay, but they still make errors on the bases and in the field. And if you win, you know, again, they, they've probably lost nine, ten games that I can just think of off the top of my head that they should have won. But let's say you win five of those. Okay, so you win five of those games, and as I pull up the standings right now, those five more wins would put them at uh, 40 and 38, which would put them one game out of the wild card spot. So, again, this wasn't the year that people thought they could contend, but lo and behold, the Cubs, Washington, and San Francisco are really good. Mets are decent, too, and the rest of the National League stinks. So, this could have been that year. I know you don't know that coming into the season, but that's why I'm always, you know, yeah, rebuild is fine, but you always got to kind of keep your eye on the possibility. Here's what I don't necessarily agree with. When people say you have to trade Ryan Braun because Ryan Braun won't be around when this team is contending again, I don't think that's true. I think this team could contend in two years. I think they could be a 500 team next year. I think they've got some young pieces. The problem is, Remember the CC Sabathia trade, okay? Right. Brewers brought in CC Sabathia. They traded away um, two players of note, Matt Laporta and, and Michael Brantley. Michael Brantley was a throw-in that nobody cared about. He actually became a decent player. But what happened to Matt Laporta? The Brewers are so they were they were chastised. You can't get rid of a talent like Matt Laporta. What became of him? Nothing. Well, right. And so well, my I mean, point I mean, is, Indians, but yeah. But you talk prospects, you talk prospects, you talk prospects. Unless you're getting a can't miss, like a Carlos Correa from Houston from last year. Unless you're getting a can't miss, you're still getting a prospect. How many times in Brewer history, Antoine Williams back in the 80s, some of the pitchers through the 2000s, where they had drafted these guys and they had high hopes for them. And they never became more than a 4A player. They never became more than a guy. Tyler Green, 
Tyler Green was the minor league player of the year two years in a row, and he had a cup of coffee in the major league. So I guess my point is, baseball, more than any other sport, there's more miss than hit when you're looking at prospects. And there's usually guys that you aren't even thinking about that could, could, that could contribute to this team, like Michael Brantley, that pop up and become all-stars. Meanwhile, the so-called can't misses miss a lot. So when I hear people go, well, the Brewers should just tank so they get a better draft pick next year. Obviously, those people don't understand baseball, or at least don't understand the, the Major League Baseball draft. Because there's so many guys who were top three picks that became nothing, and so many guys that were 10, 11, 12. Here's what my question I always ask people when they say, well, you have to tank or you can't get good players. I, I, I have two words for you. St. Louis Cardinals. St. Louis Cardinals have, haven't tanked yet, and they're always drafting somewhere between 15 and 26 in the first round. Yet they always seem to turn out prospects, right? Right. Homegrown prospects, not prospects that they have to trade for. So the point is, it doesn't matter where you're drafting. So tanking just so you get the number one pick is stupid. You need good scouts. You need boots on the ground. You need new metrics. You need whatever it takes to revamp that scouting department, to make it look like the scouting department they have in St. Louis or some of these other teams. And, and the thing is, St. Louis isn't a huge market. St. Louis doesn't have a boon for cash. They... Do it the right way. As much as people hate them, and I, I can't stand that, that organization, but they do it right, man. So all the Brewers need to do is do a better job scouting. All these first-round picks they had, um, you know, these pitchers over the last 10 years, and, and none of them. Jeremy Jeffers is the only one that made an impact, and he had to do it as a reliever after his career was derailed, and, and he had to be reclaimed. So just draft better. Quit this whole, well, you know, we'll get better picks by picking one, two, three. Not necessarily. Not if you don't know what you're doing. Not if you don't know what you're looking for. Not if you don't get a little bit of luck along the way. So do both. Try to win now. Trade away some pieces. Maybe you trade Jeremy Jeffers because right now you don't need a closer for a team that's not a, a, a contender per se. But why trade a Ryan Braun who could be a valuable piece in two years? Why trade a Jonathan Lucroy, although it looks like it's going to happen? You could sit there and say, well, they have Jacob Nottingham. Jacob Nottingham hasn't done anything in the, in the majors yet. Nothing. And, how do you, and, and just because you have Nottingham, let's say he becomes the player that people think he can be or that people want him to be. Why can't Lucroy be your first baseman of the future? We don't have one of those. There isn't a first baseman in a Brewers farm system that people are touting. So... You know, so I understand you want to win, you want to get prospects, and you want to get rid of guys. But Ryan Braun has shown no inkling that he doesn't want to be a Brewer. Um, you know, Luke Croy doesn't want to be part of a rebuild. But if they're contending in two years, Luke Croy will, will be happy. He wants to be on a contender. He doesn't want to be on a 100-loss team. This isn't a 100-loss team. I thought it could be, but it's not. So I just, I guess be careful. If you, want, if you end up trading Braun, you end up trading Lucroy, damn, you better get can't-miss guys. You better get a major league-ready pitcher who's at least the number two pitcher in that team's organization. And you better get a guy that can contribute on a major league level on the offensive side, be it an outfielder or maybe a first baseman. Maybe you go out and get the first baseman of the future that the Brewers don't have. Then I'm okay with it. But the, the, the philosophy of you just trade him to trade him is just foolish and folly and short-sighted. 
I listen to a guy on the radio, a local radio here in Milwaukee, and I respect him, and I've always gotten along with him. When he talks about the Brewers, he does a morning show here in Milwaukee. It's just foolish. He'll say, well, you know, this culture losing, you got to trade Braun as much, too much money, blah, blah, blah. First of all, his contract in three years is going to be peanuts, okay? Uh, so that's the number one. And then number two, he'll say stuff like, well, yeah, just get whatever you can for him. But then at the same time, um, at the same time, you know, get what you can for him. But then who's going to really want him with the bad back? Well, then don't talk out of both sides of you. But when you have a piece like Ryan Braun who's having an all-star season, whether he ends up an all-star or not, an all-star season, you can't just give him away. You better make sure you're getting something back. You, you better make sure that you don't just trade. Because who's he blocking right now? Like who – Brett Phillips isn't coming up this year. Even if he does, he's better than – Brett Phillips is better than Flores. He's better than Domingo right now. He's nobody. So you don't need to trade him yet. It'd be different if Brett Phillips shows that he's a can't miss. And Ray, the first round pick is a can't miss. And now you have to bring, now you don't have room for all these guys. Okay. So now you have to move Ron, but they don't have, there's nobody knocking on the door waiting to take those spots. Because even if Phillips comes up, like I said, he's better than Flores. He's better than Newinghouse, Newinghouse. So why do you have to trade Braun? Because Neuenheis isn't the, the center fielder of the future. Ramon Flores isn't the center fielder of the future. Ryan Braun isn't holding anybody back. There's no need to trade him yet. And I, and I still don't – I still believe that Ryan Braun, if you needed him to, and, and it could probably elongate his career, is if you had too many outfielders, again, you don't have a first baseman. Why not play him there in two or three years? I guess I, my point is don't be hasty. You know, do it if it makes sense. Do it if you get the right deal. Do it if it's the best move for the Milwaukee Brewers. But don't do it just because you feel you're obligated to trade him. Because like I said, he's still in the prime of his, end of his prime, but prime of his career. He's hitting well. He's not holding anybody back by playing every day. And that money thing, I'm so sick of hearing about the money. Their salary is near, they're in the bottom third of the league in salary. So who cares? Who who are they going to break the bank on that they're, they're wasting money on Ryan Braun? Who? Who do they need to spend that money on other than Ryan Braun? Nobody yet. So all the arguments people make are foolish arguments. You know, you can make the argument that he's that you worry about his injuries. Okay, I get that. But then if you're going to trade him, like I said, make sure it's the best deal for the Milwaukee Brewers and that they win the trade, even if it's not lopsided. They need to win any trade they make if they trade a Braun or a Lucre. I mean, I think it's uh, – if they're not going to – I think you hit it right on the head. Just if they're not going to trade them, then it's not a big – you know, if they don't get any good deals back for them, any value – you know, the value would be greater. And, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, – I don't think they have a reason to unless it gets hot. Uh, like I said, if they, unless they win. Uh, so we'll we'll see how that goes where they have um, – I don't know. I think, yeah, we'll just see how that rolls uh, with, with the Brewers and – I mean, let me ask you one last question for the Brewers. Uh, uh, in terms of just the way that, uh, like a guy like Jonathan Lucroy, where, uh, mm-hmm. like, where you see him, uh, obviously he's uh, performing well. I think uh, last time I checked, straight under 300. Uh, but what, I mean, do you think he is he still in play for trades, or do you feel like, I mean, are, are, have you heard any rumors about anything like that, or? It's, I mean, does he seem pretty locked up to, to stay in Milwaukee? Well, first of all, the rumors will start to heat up within the next couple of days. And 
you know, I haven't heard anything particular. I think they, they're still likely they could trade him. But here's the other thing people have to remember. Oftentimes, you get more value for your players when you trade them in the offseason. So, you know, you have time to go to the winter meetings. You can put deals together. Um, it's a little less uh, frenetic where you have that week of everybody's trying to make trades and, and you allow some of the guys that you might be looking at as prospects to finish a season and see how, how they go as, as, a, as a full season goes on because there's still a month, a little bit over a month of, of, of baseball for those prospects that you're trading for. And it, sometimes it's better to see how they finish out a year too. So, you know, if, if you can't get the best deal, if you can't get a deal you want, you likely might be able to in the offseason. So if if those two players are still Brewers, and there'll be some trades. You'll see some bullpen guys get moved. Maybe Aaron Hill gets moved. But um, if Braun and Lucre don't get moved, that doesn't mean one or both won't get moved in the offseason. And, you know, and people, again, they need to understand because they hear me and they're going to think because people – we become a society. Maybe it's our short attention span because of social media. We half listen to stuff. So I'm sure there's people going, oh, so this idiot doesn't want to trade these guys. Oh, that's not what I said. I said there's no need to just trade them for trade's sake. So it's possible that if they don't get dealt before the end of July, they could get dealt in the offseason. And, and, again, as long as it brings back guys that are going to make this team better for years to come. But, and I know there's no guarantee at all. But, things, but there are better risks than others. They need to take the best risk that has the least amount of, uh, of risk on their end and, and, and make these moves when they do decide to move them. But Lucroy could – I think Lucroy probably gets dealt before Braun if, if anything happens uh, this season. Again, I think Jeffers probably gets dealt, maybe Will Smith, because the way I kind of see it, having a closer on a team that's not a playoff team is like having – $1,000 rims on a pacer. There's no need to have it. You know, it's like, hey, these are nice rims, but the car's not very good. It doesn't seem to fit. And that's how I kind of look at with, like, clothes. That's why you saw Fernando Rodney get dealt today from the Padres. They don't need a closer. The Padres are going nowhere this year. So see what you can get. See what kind of pieces you can bring in. You know, they traded Fernando Rodriguez last year, K-Rod, and they got Zach Davies back. Zach Davies had a rough start today, but he's shown that he could possibly be a major league, a consistent major league number four starter, back of the rotation guy. He's certainly been really good this year, aside from today. And what they did, they traded a closer they didn't need because they weren't winning enough games for him to close. So you might see that. You might see some bullpen guys get moved first before a guy like Luke Cry or Braun or Aaron Hill or one of those guys gets dealt. Maybe Matt Garza, if he pitches well, you know, he'll probably have four more starts before the deadline, uh, maybe maybe five. So if he pitches well, maybe he's movable. I mean, he's owed a lot of money. He came off an injury. He had some attitude issues last year that resulted from some personal issues. But if he can help you down a stretch, now you're not going to get somebody's number one prospect from. I, I, that's not what I'm suggesting. But if you can get a serviceable uh, first baseman, uh, uh, first base, third base combo that can play in the majors or a fourth outfielder or a guy who projects to be a, a middle of your bullpen guy or even a back of the rotation guy for somebody like Garza, then yeah, you move him. Because 
Garza likely, you know, I said Braun could still be around when this team contends again. I don't think Garza is part of that future. I don't think Matt Garza is a guy that they look at and they go, yeah, the future is, is here with Matt Garza. So those are guys I could see getting moved. Um, you know, beyond that, I mean, Jimmy Nelson's not going anywhere. He's young. Zach Davies isn't going anywhere. Um, you know, you're not going to move VR, I don't think, even though I know RC is ready to come up, but VR could play second or third. VR is having a good year. He's showing that, that he's getting a chance to play every day, that he could be a real piece for this team. Um, you know, Newen Heist is probably not going to get dealt just because I don't, I don't really know what kind of value he has. I mean, you know, he's getting regular playing time. Everybody said all he needed was regular playing time, and he's still hitting 227. So I don't know that, that you can make a move for him like they were able to do with her, with Parra last year because they had, you know, him as a fourth outfielder who was starting a lot. And, but I don't think they have that guy. You know, the guys they have like that are young enough, or they're Ryan Braun, who's an all-star, but they're young enough guys, um, you know, like, uh, you know, Domingo Santana, who's been hurt anyway, but they're not ready to give up on him yet. They're not trading him. They control him for the next five years. So my point being, bullpen guys, possibly Hill, possibly Lucroy, possibly Garza, and then we'll see what happens with Ryan Braun. Absolutely, absolutely. On that note, uh, got the time. I got to start heading down in just a couple of minutes down to uh, heading to uh, down at Camp Randall Stadium to, to check out the event. Uh, to cover it for Bucky's fifth quarter. Uh, we'll be there for you guys. Um, anything else? Some quick hitters real quick. Anything going on in, in your neck of the woods? Uh, obviously, BCW will be down in Summerfest. Brew City what, Wrestling is that tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. and uh, and uh, what else is going on? Well, tomorrow at 6 o'clock at Summerfest, uh, two Ring of Honor stars will be there uh the Beer City Bruiser and the last woman in professional wrestling, Silas Young. Seven matches should be a great time. It's going to be cool if you're going down to Summerfest, but I think that's better than hot. You can always put on a sweatshirt. Come on down. Um, more wrestling this weekend. Uh, two shows for BCW at Franklin and New Berlin uh, Civic Festivals. Um, a trip to South Carolina next week to take my granddaughter home. Um, that's about it. I mean, that's 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 it. That's next Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the 8th, 9th, 10th. Otherwise, uh, it's just low-key, a lot of family stuff. Trying to get this baseball team going here um, that I've coached the last few years, this traveling team. We're kind of last-minuting it, trying to get some uh, fundraising done so I can do six, five or six tournaments with them because there's tournaments in Illinois that run all the way through the end of August. So, you know, we'll see. That, that can keep me busy on the weekends for the next uh, month, month and a half. Uh, that's about it. You know, looking for a low-key holiday weekend after we get through the wrestling on Friday and Saturday. Yeah, and uh, yeah, no, sounds good. And like I said, guys, we'll try to come back. We'll we'll set up some more. Hopefully, get more consistent, especially as the football season starts rocking around. We got some position previews. We have some team previews. So hopefully, we can get uh, more lockdown time there. Uh, the book manuscript is submitted, which is awesome. But now it's a matter of. Uh, just uh, getting through the edits uh, and uh, you know, hopefully getting a published product out before the beginning of the 2016 Wisconsin Badger season. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, other than that, we'll come back next week. Uh, Brewers, Bucks. Um, we'll see with Bucks with Summer League maybe. Uh, we'll see if we can get some audio from the, of course, the uh, 
Night of the uh, yeah Night of the New Red Set Threads is the uh, the the title for tonight's thing. So we'll hopefully we'll have a kind of a recap of that. Uh, make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at Kilbasa Kings WI at J Coco B5Q at Scott Wisnusk too, and of course Bucky Smith Quarter at B5Q. Uh, other than that, guys have a great weekend ahead. Enjoy the fourth. Be safe. Be responsible. Uh, but enjoy yourself and enjoy America's independence. Dose of Bichenu, my friends. Accordion solo, American Polka, played by Mr. John J. Kimball, Edison Records. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.